Welcome to Leading from Alignment, a weekly podcast from Converge Coaching, where our passion is to help you lead better, lead longer, and enjoy it more. Hello again. Welcome to another episode of Leading from Alignment with a good friend, coach, mentor, John Opaluski. How are you today, John? Hey, Jim. I'm doing good. And I'm very excited to have Andrea Bassett back with us for episode 158 uh, today. Um, Andrea is uh, a friend of uh, Laura and mine, and uh, her husband as well. They uh, serve in uh, Lansing, Michigan at Mount Hope Church. And also, uh, Andrea has a wonderful organization that she has founded called Core Journey. And in episode 157, we, we started to learn about, uh, learn about that organization. And so, Andrea, I wondered if you could take a couple of minutes just to give us a little recap of what we talked about in episode 157. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we we talked about trauma, you know, and, and why it's so debilitating and why sometimes, um, you know, pastors and helpers have a really hard time helping people with traumatic events. We talked about, you know, what the brain does um, after and during a traumatic event. And we started touching into how you can help in that time. And in uh, how my business helps people, you know, find those tools and resources within themselves to heal because God did design our brains to heal. You know, I, I, it's one of the things that I've come across recently um, is, is traumatic events that happened in the Vietnam War are, are now coming back as if they happened yesterday mm-hmm. in, in the lives of some of my friends that are, that are veterans and they're mid 70s. And they they finally are in enough pain to reach out for help, and they say, "I think I'm I think I'm going to hell. I think I'm going to die." Mm-hmm. I and I, you know what's, what's going on? You're you're a really good man, and they talk about like I can I can smell what I smelled that day. I can see the look on the other soldier's face. I can it's 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 in my dreams now. Like I mm-hmm. I have successfully partitioned it from my life, but as I'm getting older and nearer maybe the end of my life or I have less to do in my life because now there's nothing to do, but you know, I'm retired. Um, it's all here as if it happened yesterday. Can, can you, can you speak like why, why would for, you know, decades, everything be okay. And then at one point it's just not. And how do we help people recovering from older people recovering from earlier traumatic situations? Yeah, great question. There's a few things going on. First is avoidance. For so many years, they avoided dealing with the trauma of Vietnam. And honestly, Vietnam is what put post-traumatic stress disorder on the map. That's why we have that as a diagnosis, because it was so prevalent and so debilitating. So they avoided it for so long. And now, whenever somebody avoids something, it's dangerous because it comes back worse than it would have been had you dealt with it at the beginning. So that's what they're experiencing. It's these reemergence of these symptoms that they never dealt with, and they are coming back very strong. The brain associates memories to taste, sights, smells, sensations. Um, so it, it's not a surprise to me that the smells are triggering these these traumatic responses, um, and it is it's also morally injuring. Like you mentioned, some of the, some of your friends are like, I feel like I'm going to go to hell. Um, (laughs) the moral injury is very real. Uh, and so absolutely the best way to support people who are experiencing this is to help them find help, 
to get them to a place where they can stabilize those symptoms and process the trauma. And there are modalities of treatment that do do this well, um, but it just, it takes just the support of friends and to help them not be isolated. They might start pulling back from things. And when people start isolating, it gets even more dangerous because they are just alone with their symptoms and, and it's not good. Um, that is a common tendency for people to isolate. So by sending texts, phone calls, stopping by, giving a note, helping that person know that you're there yeah. and that you're willing to be in their discomfort with them. And, uh, thank you for that. I, I think yeah. I, I think the guys that uh, you may be from the Gulf Wars or other more recent conflicts, you know, and that have seen combat, they uh, I, I think the military is far more aware now, like you're saying. Yeah. But uh, it's it's been decades for these, you know, these yeah. heroes, you know, yeah. and uh and I think they kind of felt like they were past it. Like I've grown past mm-hmm. it. It's, that was a part of my life. Like, I, you know, I was beat up on the playground in kindergarten. It's not like it didn't happen. So it doesn't matter. I was a child mm-hmm. then. I'm a man now. It's almost like it's a different world. It's partitioned. Yes. And, I, and they, they've done it successfully for decades. And now it's that that tool is, is inefficient to deal with it. Yeah. yeah thank you. Yeah. No. It's also important for them. Sorry. To, no, for them to know that they're not like, they haven't done anything wrong. This is a normal reaction that their brain does to something horrific, to something abnormal. So it just needs a little extra support to be able to process it and then to function normally again. Can I I ask one last question? Is that, is that that place of acceptance where it's like, okay, I, I, I did go through that. And, um, you know, I, I, I accept that and I'm at peace with that. Is that kind of that last moment before, they can move on with their life or is it repentance? Is it acceptance? Is it all the above? I think it's all the above, but like they can't control what happened to them, what they experienced. That's in the past. That is part of their history. They can change the story they tell themselves about that and the meaning that that has in their life now. Um, Mm -hmm. So that absolutely. Um, I forget the other things you mentioned. Oh, forgiveness, repentance. Yeah. So the cognitive dissidence of war meets continuity of narrative mm-hmm. in our, yeah. like that, that it's all, it's all part of your story. There's good parts. There's bad parts. Yeah. But it's, it's all a part. Okay. For sure. Right. Self-forgiveness Thank is you. a big one too. I, I could talk to you all day. John, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, this, is yeah. good. this is so good. I, you know, you said something, you used the word avoidance and that, you know, actually avoiding makes it worse. Uh, I think that's true about everything in life. Yeah. I, you know, avoiding conflict. We're just going to, it's just going to get worse. Yeah. Uh, avoiding dealing with the, the reality of your world as it is today. And, and we kick the can down the road. Um, and sometimes I think we kick the can down the road and we put it in the context of spirituality, even. Yeah. Like, well, I'm just trusting God to to take care of this for me. And we don't realize that I think getting well is a joint venture between us and the Holy Spirit. Yes. And we have a part to play in that. Uh, people who are helping us along that journey have a part to play in that. And the Holy Spirit definitely has a part to play in it. He'll always do his part. I, I believe that. But he will not do ours. And, and so I, I think that is, that is such a, that principle applies in multiple areas. 
Yeah. Uh, and, and leaders, sometimes we're the worst at it. Like, you know, we, we, we just, I'm too busy to, I'm too busy to deal with uh, having to have a heart to heart conversation with somebody about what they said or what they did. And, um, and, and so I just wanted to reinforce that thought, Andrea, because I think it, it well, obviously it has an application to your specific area of expertise, but I think that has an application in a lot of areas. And somehow or another, I think we, we, have, we can kick, the, like I said earlier, kick the can down the road and think, well, somehow God is just going to swoop in and make it all better. God could do that, I suppose, if he wanted to. Well, of course he could. My experience has been is that I, I may have seen that once in 50 years mm. where that's happened. Right. Um, Andrea, I wanted to ask you uh, about anxiety. Yeah. Uh, there is, and I, I don't want to overstate it, but I believe it to be an epidemic level of anxiety in our country right now. And, I, and I'm seeing it with younger and younger uh, people, uh, teenagers, preteens. Um, and I wondered, I know that you, you specialize in this area. I, I, uh, I wondered what are some, po- uh, what are some positive and practical steps a person who's suffering with anxiety can take? How, how do they, how can they manage this? Yeah. Great question. Absolutely. Like everybody experiences some anxiety sometime in their life, but right now it seems like a lot of people have Mm -hmm. it where it's really problematic. Um, So, you know, obviously talk to your doctor, talk to a professional about it. If it's really bothering you and you aren't functioning well, get help Um, to manage it from home. There are lots of things you can do. So, you know, usually anxiety all the time. Anxiety is connected to thoughts. What are you thinking about? If you can identify the thought that is triggering, triggering your anxiety, that's step one. And then ask yourself like, okay, so for instance, maybe, maybe somebody is super anxious about, I don't know, I, I guess we'll talk to the moms because I'm a mom and that's just what popped in my head. Okay. So Moms are really struggling with the anxiety of feeling like they're doing enough, that they're being enough, that they're not ruining the kids they're providing, you know, all the things that the last few years have provided. There are a lot of moms really struggling with, I'm screwing it up. I'm screwing it up. So identify, okay, what is that thought? Now identify everything, all the proof against that thought. So, oh, I'm a good mom because of this. I did this really well. And you, what you're doing is you're rewiring your brain right. to think more positively yeah. about the situation. And then, um, you know, practice some relaxation techniques, breathing, you know, prayerful meditation. There are Christian forms of meditation that really align you with scripture and the Holy Spirit. Um, being out in nature, what that does is it grounds you. It helps you be aware of like the sights, smells, and the feelings of in the moment now. Yeah. Because anxiety is worrying about and controlling the future. And if, when you can get yourself to be present in the moment, and calm, it helps relieve these symptoms. So then you can think through things more. Um, some people, those relaxate relaxation techniques do not work. They need to just get it out with energy. So if you're a runner, go for a super hard run. If you've got a punching bag, punch it out, get yourself to a safe place to get that energy out and like reset the system that those things are proven to help. That's so good. That's, that sounds like adrenaline then, right? The, the fight and flight <laughs> response that 
that I, I need to burn off this adrenaline or I need to, I need to diminish it through relaxation and, you know, filling my mind with truth, uh, whether it's biblical truth or, or just the realities of being a mother, you know. But, yeah, there's but lots that, of similarities for sure so you, with that. Is, is it true you can't unthink a thought? You have to replace a thought. Is that true? You can, you have to rewire the thought. I always say reprogram, rewire, retrain. Yes. Because our thoughts, some, most of the time, our automatic thoughts are not the very yeah. best views of ourselves or the future. And we have to put the effort and practice into teaching ourselves to view ourselves more positively, to look for the facts and the truth about the situation. And right. then our automatic thoughts can be more positive. Yeah. We did a teaching uh, a few summers ago. We spent a summer talking about the orphan the sun and the air mindsets. And we, we, we talked about fear being one of those orphan mm-hmm. mindsets. I, I have to be afraid because this is the way I protect myself. And this is my early warning system. And I, I used to know a guy like you and he hurt me. So I, 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 you, you scare me. <clears throat> and uh, so we, we asked the congregation, you know, what are you afraid of? Text it to this number. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was hard to figure out what to do with that list. You know, what if, yeah. what if a spider crawls into my mouth when I'm sleeping? Like, close your mouth. You know, there's some of them seem so unreasonable. And some seem like, you know, more real to me. What if I run out of money in retirement? What if I lose my health? What if my, my uh, children run off the rails? But so we looked for commonality. And that was the only thing we could find that was the common denominator of 90% of the things they're afraid mm-hmm. of is they all began with the phrase, what if? What if? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, they, they weren't afraid of dogs. They were afraid that a dog, you know, what if a dog gets into my yard? Yes, it's it all those. So, so yeah. what I heard you say was answer the what if question with biblical truth, mm-hmm. with with a um, a kind reality, and, mm-hmm. and maybe those those are helpful to to dealing with anxiety. Is that true? Yeah, that that's absolutely part of the process. So when I have clients who have a lot of what ifs in in our session, I begin at asking them questions that help them change the way they're talking. I call it change talk. If I'm asking questions that are just sustaining the same, we're just problem talking. That's not helpful. Ask questions to help them change their talk. So, you know, what if I run out of money in retirement? So I ask them, what can you do about it right now? What's in your control now? And then that helps them get out of the what if and puts the power back on them. Like, oh, actually I do have control over the situation. So, you know, it's called motivational interviewing. If you want to read a book, motivational interviewing, it's a big, thick black book. I can't, I don't know the author. It's on my bookshelf. Um, You you, you lost me at big and thick. You lost me at big and thick. But but when they make a comic book version of that, let me know with a scratch and sniff section in the the back. Motivational interviewing. It's to help people who who feel stuck and they're talking. It's used a lot with substance abuse disorders and helping people, you know, get out of that. But uh, change talk, get, if you are talking with somebody who seems stuck, ask questions to help them change the way they're talking about it. Right. In a positive way. So, My, the other question I have is, is talks about the, the lies, right? That like, what, what are the most common lies that, that trip up people mm-hmm. and just being aware of them might be good, right? Watch out for dogs. They bite. Hey, rats aren't healthy. Carpet yes. eat your house. Like just right. tell us, tell us like what are the common, the common lies that trip people up, but then practical tools now, mm. um, you know, we talked about the, the positive interviewing we talked about, but I just, I, I, again, we're talking to youth pastors right now. Yeah. We're talking to, to parents. We're talking to business owners, grandparents. We're, th- there's a generational, I would call it divide, 
you know, my, my old man's old man fought World War II, right? Mm-hmm. My old yeah. man had an old man who fought in World War II. <laughs> you know? Right, um, yeah. I look at these kids and I, I'm just so uptight. Like, there's nothing wrong. You had to stay home for two years and not go to school. I would have killed to stay home from school for two years. What's the matter with you? So we, I don't, I think there's not an appreciation for what everybody is going through because I digest life through my lens, just like my grandpa did, just like my dad did. I do, mm-hmm. my sons do. So what, what are the common lies that would be intergenerational? Like what, what, what is it that, that, uh, that just trip people up? Is that, is that yeah. a specific enough question? Yes. Yes. And there is a common theme that I see with all my clients and it is they are believing a lie about their self-worth. They now feel because this happened to me, I am unlovable. I'm not good enough. My self-worth is only based on how other, the success that others see in me. My self-worth is only because of what I do. And so my clients, I help them rebuild where their self-worth comes from. And a lot of my clients, I have clients from all different backgrounds, but I do have a, a large portion who are Christians. And so, yeah. you know, since I am too, I can really interact with them on a, on a really fun, deep level about your worth coming from that God created you and he loves yeah. you period. Yeah. You don't right. have to earn that, you know, like it's, it's done and helping them see that and truly believe it um, is so powerful. And then you bring up a really good point about, you know, other people's views of life and past experiences, and then seeing how people currently today are really struggling. Um, There is a lot of invalidation to people's suffering that is going on. And that is so harmful to the individual because then now they're like, I'm broken. I guess I am stupid. I guess I I am overreacting. And it blocks them from being able to heal because now they feel like they're in a hole so deep. It's not even worth getting out of because we'll look at, I'm stupid. I failed that I you know, I guess. So validating the person's pain, it doesn't mean that I, it doesn't, it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do mm. with caring for the person, because when you validate your, their pain by listening and not judging, then their wall comes down and they're open to healing. So if your goal is to help this person heal, help this person get closer to Christ, then step one is listening and validating their pain and people experience, even if you are in the same car, in the same car accident, those people will all react differently with how they heal because we're different people with different experiences and different worldviews. You know, um, Laura and I were in a serious car accident nine years ago. Um, we rolled our, I rolled, I was driving and we hit black ice on a freeway Wow! and we rolled our truck three times it rolled. And, um, you know, I, for five years after that drove, I was so slow. Mm. <laughs> Laura, Laura say speed up a little bit. And especially when it was snowing, right. yes. I had anxiety and that's the first time, you know, that I ever experienced anxiety while driving. Well, maybe when I was getting my driver's license, I had a little bit of that. But but I can relate to that. Laura got over that or seemed to get through that so much faster than I did. And I think part of it was I felt responsible, mm, yeah. you know, for that. And um, so I just think that's a fascinating thought uh, that that you're that that we do. Um, process this 
we process the things that are causing us anxiety uh, differently. And, and um, the things we tell ourselves about it, mm-hmm. that, that's a different journey. I think that's a different journey for everybody. Uh, it's not lost on me that the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 4 says, put off the old man. He's talking mm-hmm. about the flesh, right? Be made new in the attitude of your mind. And then put on the new man. Mm. I think we miss that little step. Yes. So much. We, you know, we think it's, I just have to put off the old self and put on the new Mm -hmm. self. Paul says, no, wait a minute. There's this really important middle part that if you skip, it's going to be very hard to put on the new man. Can can you speak to that a, a, a bit, Andrea? Yeah, absolutely. It's that that changing of the mind, which it it's more than just a prayer. That is part of it. If that is you know important to you and you are a believer, please do that. Um, a lot of times, that changing of the mind is changing those thoughts. It's right. um, viewing the situation from an outside perspective. It's realizing what happened to me, whether I was driving the vehicle or I was a passenger in the vehicle is beyond my, it's not contingent on my worth. It isn't, mm-hmm. um, it, you know, that guilt that people hold. So it's really examining, you know, what are the blocks in my thinking process? Um, what are the triggers to the things that are debilitating? Where am I not being honest with myself? Have I forgiven mm-hmm. myself? Have I forgiven myself for, you know, reacting the way I did when it was just automatically how my brain responded? Do I forgive myself for, for acting in a way when I didn't know differently? Like self-forgiveness is huge. A lot of people are quick to forgive somebody else, but not themselves. And that really holds people back. Um, you know, having mentors, having somebody you can go to and be like, Hey, I'm really struggling with this thought. This just, you know, overriding thought of this is who I am as a person. Can you help me think through this? Um, and just really being open to the process, the process works. It takes time and I I can't give you a timeline. Everybody is different depending on who they are, the resources they have, the support networks they have. Um, and when I watch my clients come to me and one, you know, the old man, they go through this renewing of the mind, this healing of the mind. And then I get to, I get to, to like see them on their way. Um, as this new person, it is just so rewarding and so exciting and time and time again, it happens. And, you know, there's so much hope in helping people heal. There's so much hope in seeing people transform and it's real and it, and it works. Mm. Wow. I, (laughs) you know, the same thing, like, Oh, there's so so much much on my mind, you know, Um, when you were talking about identity and value, um, that's a mantra mm. that Jim and I have just, uh, we keep coming back mm. to the intrinsic value we yes. have because not only because God created us, but for those of us who belong to him, yeah, because he adopted us into his family and, and we're valuable, not because of what we do we're valuable because of who we belong to. And, and for a long time as a young leader, I looked 
or the ministry. I looked at the ministry as the way, the avenue that I was going to receive that value. And I've learned as an older person now that I was looking from the ministry for something that only God could give me. And that is this lasting sense of value. And when I'm operating out of that, life is so much simpler. Mm. It, it doesn't mean I don't have problems, but I don't go into uh, a scenario. Yesterday, I was spending time with uh, 13 brand new lead pastors. I spent the whole day with them. And I'm driving over to uh, Brighton, you know, to to for this event. And I'm telling the Lord, Lord, I thank you that I don't have to prove anything mm-hmm. yeah. to anybody that, that Lord, you're going to be with me in that room. And uh, I'm just there as a mouthpiece and you're going to work and I can just relax and have fun and, and watch you do some amazing things. And it, and it was a six hour training, you know, so it wow. was intense. <laughs> yes. But it was such an amazing day because I didn't, feel like I had to try hard. I didn't feel yes. like I prepared. I was well prepared, right. but I didn't feel like I had to press mm-hmm. or, or, or impress uh, right. anybody. And I think, um, I think at the core of being healthy is, is this identity issue yes. yeah. um, and getting it right. Um, so I'm just curious what you think about that. And I know we've got to, we've got to wrap it up because we are, we're definitely, uh, near the end of our, our time. What do you think about that thought of the importance of really grabbing onto the proper identity? It is vital. It is really central to healing, to all mental health mm-hmm. things. Um, and then it, and then just, you know, more generally, you then can live your life, not feeling like you have to perform, not feeling like, well, I'm going to yeah. fail, but just living in this state of I'm enough. You know, I, I have what I need. I, you know, the Lord is, is with me. I'm not alone. And just speaking those truths in your life, you live differently. You act differently. You are actually more capable of things because you're not carrying the weight of the anxiety or of the shame or the guilt or the lack you're living in a state of, no, I got this. I can do this because I belong to Christ, you know, and, and we're good. And I don't have to prove it. I don't have to earn it. It's a really peaceful, just refreshing. It's a, it's a new way to live. If you are currently not living like that, you are living weighed down and just constantly tensed and stressed and worrying. And, and to make that mindset is a big, scary leap, but when you do it, it is worth it. 100%. Yeah. Uh, I, if, if I could ask just one more question before we wrap up, you use a, a phrase that I, I use and use frequently, but I'm not quite sure that I know any practical steps to, okay. to actually accomplish what I say. And that is forgiving yourself. Mm. You, know, you need to forgive the one who harmed you and forgive the, and then you need to forgive yourself. I absolutely agree with that, but I, I've never had anyone kind of push me on that and say, so how do I do that? Well, I don't mm. know. You just say you're sorry to you. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, right. So what, what, what what does that mean? What are some steps? Just give us some clarity on forgiving ourselves. So right, right. As you're saying that, this is what I'm thinking. You say things like this to yourself. I release the belief or I forgive myself for, and then you insert. So like, I forgive myself for driving too fast. I forgive myself for running the red light. I forgive myself 
for being too stressed in that moment. And then, so yes, you release the things that you're not forgiving yourself for. Then you have to flip it and say, I receive God's grace for his love and forgiveness. I receive that I am a great person. I receive that I'm a great spouse and I'm a great parent. And then you receive, you, you take away the thing, those negative beliefs, the things you haven't forgiven yourself with, but then you allow you to fill it with God's truth, fill it with what the truth of what scripture says about you, what the Holy Spirit's saying about you, the truth of what your spouse says about you, that you're a good father, you're a good, you know, husband and, and all those things. So yeah. take away, replace, take away the bad, yeah. replace with good. <laughs> really yeah, makes perfect sense. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think if I have one complaint about the last two podcasts is that there's not going to be a third. So I I, uh, I I would hope, though, that anybody that knows somebody or themselves are dealing with unresolved, un, you know, uh, it's still there. I, I It happened to me as a kid, but it still affects my day to day stuff. Yeah. It happened to me in the military, but it's it's coming back to me now. It's, you know, it was nine years ago, but I don't get behind the wheel without thinking about it. You know, it, it has marred me and affected me and changed me. And I don't want to be the damaged version of me. I want to be the redeemed version of me. Yeah. I, so I, I would just encourage anybody, everybody, we're talking to pastors or pastors that know people or leaders or, you know, your, your children, your grandchildren. If, if we've been through something, God wants to take, um, I, I have to say this, that the, God forgives the sin, but he owns the story. God, mm, God, you yeah. know, there, there is a tragedy, but God owns the rights to the story of that tragedy. Uh, certainly the Bible is filled with people being stoned to death or being left for dead and being beat. I mean, Paul, by the time he died, was probably a walking pile of scar tissue and mm-hmm. half mended bones. Right. But he, mm-hmm. you know, I finished the race. I kept the faith. I, you know, I fought the good fight. I, there's, there really is a, there really is a life through Christ and through getting help and through being a community around each other that has answers and help. It's so, mm-hmm. so important. So if you're all alone and you're hurting, you don't have to be. If you're, if you're in over your head helping somebody, you don't have to be. And so thank you so much for your, your, um, your organization and what it stands for. You, Jeff, uh, God bless you guys. And may you, you. May grow and prosper and expand and teach and help and serve and, you know, and have a blast doing it. So thank you. Um, thank you so much for having me. So our, our, how can we, yeah, I just real quick, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, yeah. So I do free 15 minute sessions. Um, so people can see like, okay, are we a good fit? Can you help me uh, at corajourney.com, C-O-R-A journey.com. And all pastors, pastors, families get an automatic 20% off of all services. Beautiful. Uh, so we're going to use it 20% more than the average person. So that's good. So it's not the same. I want to help the helpers. <laughs> yes. And that's great. You ever thought about teaching seminars on this to help the helpers? No, I didn't know that was something. I'll have to look into it. Yeah. I, I, I would be, I would go do it. Yeah. yeah All right. right well, that listeners, down. watchers, God bless you. Um, it's, you know, I, I, when dealing with, with a terrible situation in my own life, I called my mom in tears and said, I don't understand God anymore. I don't know if I can trust him. And she said three words that changed my life. And I, I share them with you in closing today. And that is, this isn't heaven. Mm. This isn't hell, but this isn't heaven. So there's going to be stuff. There's going to be things that run into things. There's going to be my wounds that rub up against your wounds in such a horrible way. There's going to be 
users and abusers. They, they're around us every day. And, and we, as the light of the world, the salt of the earth, you know, we, we, we have a commission from God to bring the kingdom wherever we go. So um, if you need help, get help. If you're a helper, go help. But uh, get, get a hold of convergecoach.com. Get a, get a hold of uh, Cora Journey. And, and let's, let's, let's be the community of the church that Jesus imagined because we, we live in a fallen world, but that doesn't mean we have to live fallen in it. And uh, there's, there's cures, there's answers, there's solutions, there's therapy, there's help. God bless you. Go get them. It's Tuesday and you haven't quit. So uh, we'll see you again. Talk to you again real soon as you continue to lead from alignment.